0: You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Alright, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am here with Matthew Reeves and Adam Cruz today. And uh, man, I think we got a, a really cool, pretty cool conversation lined up. Um Adam, you're the one who kind of brought it up. Tell me tell me kind of what your what your thought was what we're going to break down today and um and maybe even tell me where you kind of came up with that idea.
1: So I was setting up in my tree. Um I was going to say tree stand. But I was set up in the tree on Sunday and you and I are like texting back and forth and Parker and I have two hunting styles like that are polar opposites going on at the same time, right? Um I'm not seeing deer He's not seeing deer, unfortunately. Neither one of us was seeing deer at the time, but Parker had went in. I think you said you went in at noon and you're scouting your way through and you're trying to get on deer sign. You're trying to find that most recent information, that MRI, and try to figure out where the deer are at at that time. And so the opposite side is like I came in like way after church, way after lunch. I didn't get to my tree until about 3 o'clock. I had zero time to prepare to get ready. Um, and, and I went into a, an area that historically produces acorns that historically has deer in it. Right. Uh, so I'm not going off any, I've done no scouting up to this point. Um, and so as I was thinking through it, I was like, you know, man, I, I really wish I had the time at this moment to be doing what Parker's doing, especially this time of year and being able to find the food source, find the deer. And so I just kind of asked the question to our, our text message group, Hey guys, what do you you know, what do you guys think about this topic? And I think that's kind of how we got to where we are right now.
0: Yeah. So the idea of MRI, most recent information versus, um, historically good spots. Um, and kind of talking about kind of comparing them and, um, doing a, a side-by-side look at them and seeing if there's, if there's pros and cons, especially this time of year in October, um, if there's pros and cons to either one, you know, and looking at And it, also looking at different
1: situations too, right? Like yeah. the different type of habitat you're hunting versus the different, different types of habitat I'm hunting and, and different types of habitat, maybe Matt's on, you know, like we all hunt different, types you know, of terrain and different things right now.
0: We also have the difference of rut timing and, yep. um, you know, you're in Tennessee going to be more typical rut timing, the bucks out there yep. right now, probably getting pretty close to starting to cruise. Um, and yep. the young bucks probably are for really sure. Close. And, yep. uh, and Matt, you and I both here at home, we're hunting places where, uh, I, I think your rut is like January, right?
2: Well, I, I hunt like three different ruts. So my first rut is going to be second weekend in November. Okay. So and then then it'll be January, February.
0: Yeah. So you got two ruts that you're hunting. Um, I'm hunting deer right now at this second. I'm hunting deer that are rut, usually going to rut around December. So really, we all three have three different months that we our deer that are that we're currently hunting are kind of in different phases um, of of this fall. You know, phases of the rut. I guess you could call it. We're talking about extremely pre-rut phase for um, Matt. Really pretty extremely pre-rut phase for me and probably getting pretty close to it for you uh adam yep, and, and and in one of your areas matt so um i think that's a big part of maybe the difference in it but we can kind of compare it um we can kind of compare it as if we're hunting the same deer right uh i, I think we can we uh, can yeah. do that and assume you know we're hunting deer they're all in the same rut that'll probably make it make it easier to talk about this conversation and really compare the two different styles. So historical versus historically good spots versus most recent information, Matt. So we're going to tie in. Uh, I, I talked about it in last week's emo fest that I had uh, talking about the buck that I did not recover and also update for everybody. We still have not recovered the deer. They've gone back and, and look for it. And um, I don't think it lived. I think it's easy to cop out and say, Oh, it, It probably lived, you know? No, he probably didn't. (laughs) And it, it stinks. It really sucks, but I'm working through it. Um, but we talked about it last, last week. I talked about, you know, Matt had some really good hunts that I want to talk about. And, and these are October, this is October hunting in Kentucky. So we're talking about this November, November rut. Um, and Matt, we talked about it before this trip to Kentucky do you remember what we said? Like, if we can find this, we're probably going to find the deer.
2: Yeah, and that's a hot oak tree.
0: Exactly. So we we've Quite run and simple. We've run it into the ground. I think um, we we've talked about it a lot in a lot of different podcasts here because it's been it has been a a a hot topic for us and really trying to key in on things. And if you'll notice. For for guys listening to this, if you'll notice if you've listened to Southern Ground Hunting podcast for a while, like maybe since the beginning, I typically take one thing every season and try to really concentrate on it. You know, like like here's a different aspect, a different feature or a different something that I am going to absolutely concentrate on this year and I'm gonna focus on it. Um in previous years it's been terrain you know and then years before that it's been vegetation and um, food sometimes has something to do with it but usually it doesn't and so now I'm trying to add that into it for me and so we have definitely talked about it but Matt that's exactly what happened so I guess before we really get in deep with the different styles Matt just for sake of the conversation why don't you share with us what happened um, in Kentucky knowing that we went in the trip saying we're going to be looking for those feed trees in October something to get bucks up on the feet. Can you go in a little bit more specifics into what you were looking for and kind of how your hunt went, Matt?
2: Yeah. So we got up there first afternoon. I kind of went on to an area and typically where I hunt back home, it's hill country has the topography. So I, Places I go, I try to use that to my advantage because I'm more comfortable on a hillside rather than in a, than in a bottom. So going into this, I found places on the map, said, if I can get to this spot, you know, I think this is where the deer are. So I, I went in, you know, not really, I guess, not really with high hopes of killing the big buck the first evening. I was just trying to ignite what these deer were doing at the, at the time of our, our hunt. Um, we went in I think what the second week, second week end of October. So it's kind of you know people you hear the cliche, October law, whatever. So I go in this place and I start finding some sign, found a couple rubs. but I found these white oaks that were that were dropping on a uh, hillside. Uh, it wasn't it it wasn't on the very top of the ridge, wasn't at the very bottom of the ridge. It was about three quarters of the way up. people people talk about that all the time. but what I found were, these trees and oaks that were in the bottom of this hillside weren't dropping, but the trees that were up on the uh, I keep at the top were dropping. My I'm, I'm, words are jumbling with me. But uh, I got up there, didn't find a lot of dropping sign, but saw a lot of feed sign where they were, you know, moving leaves around, acorn holes, crack, whatnot. So they ended up setting up, had a doe come, a few does come in, came from the bottom up to me. I shot her. Um ended up my shot was a little lower than I thought. Uh, I was shooting a rage broadhead and the the big cut actually saved me on this one. I didn't get a lot of penetration, but it ended up saving me for that. I'm jab at Parker a little on that. Um but anyways, ended up finding her. It it was like a it was a gut shot and we let her lay that night. Came back that more that morning after the morning hunt, and uh she was still alive. Um so I was able to Track her down. She's it up. Put another air in her. Hate hate when that that happens. But was glad that the meat was still good. Uh, we were afraid that if she did pass that night, that coyotes would have got to her. The meat would have spoiled. So that was kind of that kind of set the tone for my trip. Um, I told myself this is what I need to do. This is where where the door I believe. And so I kind of started, I guess, trying to replay that through my map scouting. Uh Parker, I know me and you went on the boat the next morning. And I kind of just went into the area that uh kind of like you said, Adam, historical. This is what I knew, Kentucky. I that this is my second trip to Kentucky. So I just knew the first trip I saw in the morning, why wouldn't there be tri- you know, deer there again? You know, it's a big, big cross in cornfield. So I went in there and come to find out, Parker, when you were tracking your buck, you found tons of rubs, tons of scrapes probably not even a hundred yards from where I was set up and where I was set up, there was no fresh buck sign. So it was pretty cool to see that. Um, But after that hunt, we got down, like I said, went and found the doe and I told myself I was going to scout until about two o'clock. Started looking at these areas, found a road. Do you, do you want me to go ahead and go into detail on? Yeah. So did that evening set
0: up kind of, but I I do think it is important to mention you kind of blew over that where you were hunting at that day. I mean, that directly goes into this um, this conversation and this comparison between the two. You said you went and set up in a spot that you knew had good trails in there in September. You saw a good amount of deer in there. It was a good spot. But 100 yards away, a little bit further, 100 yards away was where you probably really should have been set up. You know what I mean? Right. And it's right. Like and, th- that was and, exactly where the bucks were at.
2: In our conversation, I'd, I'd hunted, I I I hunted. ended up hunting there like my last morning in se- on that September hunt. Yeah. I was like, man, that'd be a good spot. Found the persimmons and all that, but there was just so many people in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was worried about about going back in there. But yeah, that's a good contrast between what I did the first evening versus what I did the next morning was I walked in and scouted and found my fish. I killed a deer. Mm -hmm. And then historically, yeah, I went to this place that I thought was going to have dropping acorns. It had, had oak trees in there, but they just weren't dropping heavy because they were in those bottoms. Uh, I really, I really felt the areas I found the acorns the most was on these hillsides.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right. And, you know, we talked to Nathan Killen, um, this would have been a couple years ago, I think during local legend series. And um, I believe it was Nathan that was talking about this. Is one of the things that he does while he's scouting is he finds the elevation in which um, the the trees are actually holding or, or producing. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's you know in hillier stuff, and I'm seeing that right now. It's always at a certain elevation, and right now what I'm finding is is if I'm going directly to the top, they're not producing acorns at all which is usually they do um here but this year they're not producing much in the bottom i find a couple of them dropping in the bottoms but it is definitely on like the benches and the hillsides that's where i'm finding the most acorns that are that are dropping right now and and that's always been one of the things in in an an old podcast that stuck out to me is finding that elevation that kind of seems to be the magic the magic elevation for that year. And um, we found the same thing pretty much in Kentucky. Uh, Most of the ones that were in just kind of the hillside kind of gnarly spots were the ones that were dropping and the ones in the very bottom and the very top that look like good spots, the the acorns weren't there. And so, you know, I think that's a, it's interesting though, to think about, um, you know, if you would have just went a hundred yards further which it was, you know, kind of one of those like morning going in blind type things, sort of where you're not really able to scout for sign that well.
2: Yeah. Not super effectively. Yeah. I found that one scrape and rub right there on the river and I figured it was going to, you know, keep going. I didn't really want to hunt right on the river, Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it didn't, it, it went away pretty quickly. Parker, back to the acorns that you were talking about, the spot that you hunted, that morning, where you saw those deer, it had the topography to it. Hey
0: guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So, we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff, like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you. The ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your workday, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Paws program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out SixDayGrindCoffeeCo.com today. That's the word six followed by daygrindcoffeeco.com. That same morning, it was a it was a just a pretty much straight up from the water to the top, and I sat on the top, which was uh, I still could have shot deer if I wanted to shoot a doe. I could have shot one of them, um, but they went directly behind me, so they came out of the bedding cover um, and went down to the hot feed tree that was down there that I saw. I saw it whenever I was walking up that morning. Uh, whenever I was hiking up that hill, I was like, oh, there's a pile of poop, and there's a rub, and there's all kinds of acorns that have been eaten. Surely the top has more, you know, and I didn't yeah. set up where I should have. And those deer beeline to that tree right behind me where i just just been to. So um, the same thing holds true there. It was just – it seems to be a year where – look mid elevation don't look at the bottoms or the tops nearly as much um because that seems to be true anywhere i'm at right now uh anywhere i've hunted
1: guys i want to sidetrack us just for one second matt mentioned a comment he said i did not want to hunt close to the river and it just like grabbed my attention and i just want to know why and this the the reason why is is because like where i hunt you know in tennessee i basically have to hunt close to the river i can never get probably more than 200 yards away just because i'll run into private ground why did you want to stay away from the river just out of curiosity i
2: guess it i guess i felt like it was like a road almost i, I don't know why i just had that And new boats were going to be traveling up and down it's a it felt like it's a pretty yeah yeah i mean i don't know I, I mean when i'm 20 yards from where i get out of the boat and there's a scraping rub i mean it kind of doesn't feel natural to climb up a tree right there which probably would have been a good spot you know but yeah i mean I you would have told been myself oh, i keep on going
0: you would have been if you would have set up on that scrape in that rub right off the river you'd have been probably 50 yards away from where i shot that buck at um yeah and, and,
2: and i I'd, I'd probably shot some asian carp too
0: yeah that's true that yeah. that cost me some yeah. um but it, it is a it's funny adam because you've been doing the water access thing for a while i've been doing it for a while And I find that there's a lot of reasons, like most of the bucks that I have killed or seen or shot at or whatever in this place in Kentucky have been right off the edge of the water. Because when you think about it. You usually
1: see the water. Yeah, I can almost
0: always see the water (laughs) out there. And if you think about it, though, it makes a whole lot of sense because people coming from the road or from the parking area, like that water is the deepest that's deep, man. Like, that's like, man, I went super deep this <laughs> evening, or whatever. Like, and when you do it from the water, you're like, uh, it, it feels like you're doing the, the FUD thing, like going 200 yards from the road, you know? Um, that's, right. well, that, that's
2: how I feel. That's funny.
0: Well,
1: we know I'm lazy, so it works out for me. I'm,
0: I'm good with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Um, Matt, just kind of get back into your, uh, that evening. Cause that was really the, that was really where it kind of all came together where you kind of put seems like you put what you had seen in 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 the sign that you were finding you really put it to work and found this area pretty quickly
2: yeah so it I wouldn't say it was kind of close to where you were I bet it was within a mile of where you were but it I just looked on the map and there wasn't, there's not a ton of topography on this place. There is, there is some, but I wanted to kind of stay close to a thicket because I, I like to be near thickets, which here thicket is a CRP uh, kind of area. So yeah, you could compare park, that with a cutover,
0: I think with a clear cut. Yeah.
2: Here. Yeah. So there's a, there's a parking spot that like you said, um, in our conversation, there's always a truck park there always. So I knew if I wanted this spot, I'd have to get there early. So i Parked at like 1 o'clock and started kind of scouting my way. Had, had a pin on the destination I wanted to get to, so I'm walking down the the road, and I just look over to my right, and I see kind of a hillside and start seeing white oaks up there. It was real windy, so I was like, well, I'm just going to trek up here, see if there's a, a bench I can't see on the topo map. Because a lot of the times, you know, a USGA topo or even an angle shading, it doesn't show some of the just slight benches that these deer will sit on. So I start easing up the thing and I don't get a hundred yards or so from this trail and I just start finding droppings. I mean, dropping here, dropping there, buck poop everywhere. Acorns are falling like crazy. And I knew I was like, man, don't don't stay in here long. This is hot. Get out, come back, hunt the sea. I mean, it's all rubs, everything. So I I get off the hill and I never I never found a bench. I mean, this is just a hillside straight up full of white oaks. And there's a old ladder stand that sits up on the top of the hill. Now y'all keep that in mind. There's this old ladder stand up at the top. So anyways, I go outside a spot for my buddy bump, some deer, whatever. So I'm sitting at my, in my truck. Well, here's uh, here's a funny part of this whole thing. My buddy had to stay back and do some work. And he calls me at thir- or two 30 and he goes, Hey, come get me. And I'm like, man, I got, I got my park already like you, you i gotta leave come get you so i, I said he ain't missing a hunt. so i left my stuff at the gate and i hauled tail picked him up and we made it back so you know that, that's our first win but anyways we get it we get in there early the uh the wind was blowing got set up and i mean it wasn't 45 minutes i had a, a little three point come under me i mean you just you just knew this was hot now i climbed about six 50, 60 yards down from that ladder stand because they didn't want to get up too close to where I felt like they were betting. I just wanted to kind of, I wouldn't say play it safe, but I knew there was plenty of sign on this hillside. Surely they're going to come down somewhere in between here. So that one buck comes through and I'm texting everybody, hey, just had a buck come under my stand. I could hear him eating his acorns. You know, it's just cool stuff. So I'm sitting there and about... I don't know. Five thirty, I look up and I te- I see another buck, and I say, "Parker, there's a mature three pointer up <laughs> on the ridge." <laughs> and because I was I was so excited just to see a, a buck on this ridge, I was like, "I'm going to shoot him." You know, I'm already yeah. telling myself he's got a big body, mature. You know, I said Alabama. Deer, I said like uh, mature. Like question mark? He <laughs> did. <Yeah>. So. <laughs> Anyways, luckily he didn't come down to me. He was he just stayed up there feeding. Well, as he was up there feeding, I see another deer. So I give him a binos, a little six-point come down. So I'm like, okay, you know, not gonna shoot not gonna shoot him, but I was gonna shoot that three-pointer. Sure, three-point <laughs> comes out here. And so I'm still looking and I see another buck. And I'm you know, I'm videoing this whole thing, so I see like an ice eight, and I'm like, okay, if he if he gets in my shoot line i'm gonna shoot him so they're they're all standing at about 40 yards right now but the mid story with all the dogwoods and everything that was in this area just didn't present me a shot right now i need him just to walk about 10 more feet they'd be at 40 yards drill them end of story kentucky tied out well it, it, one of them goes up and walks right under that wood ladder stand i was like okay okay that's cool but another one goes and walks right up under that ladder stand. I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm still looking with my bios. And I see this dang I, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's just a dang good a good buck. Uh, comes off the the top coming down right to me. Does the same thing those deer did, gets it 40 yards, he's about to walk out my shooting lane and he turns and walks right under that ladder stand i mean within five yards of this this wooden ladder stand so i'm just losing it you know excited well they you know i'm hoping they may come back they didn't well 30 minutes later here comes a a big old 10 point off the top of the dang hill again does the same exact thing these other deer did feeds in the same spot goes to the same trail under that stand and they all disappear so they all stayed up top. I ended up having some more small bucks and some does come in that evening. But that was the the best and worst hunt of my life because I saw all these deer and I couldn't capitalize on the opportunity. But, Parker, to to kind of emphasize that spot, I think a lot of people would uh, look over that spot because it didn't have a bench on it. And, and you and I talked about it. It was just a hillside. They were just feeding on this hillside that had a trail on it. And they they felt safe. I feel like it was also an overlooked spot. One, because somebody always parked at that gate, but I don't think they walked 100 yards off that trail. I think they kept going kind of like with the water access. They wanted to go deep. I didn't go that deep. And there's a really really good
0: trail. There's a really good trail, too. And that makes people feel like they're going deep. And it's an easy walk, just walking down a dang cut road. That goes all the way as far as you could ever want to go, and and, and that well, makes when, people think. that Andrew,
2: deep. yeah, and when Andrew came in, when he, I, I had to stay in the tree later because I had deer all around me because I'd plant. Well, after I saw those deer, I was, I'm not. I'll sleep in this tree, you know, to wait for these deer <laughs> to come back. But I could hear him. I could hear him walking down the gravel road from where I was, where I set up. Um, that just goes to show you, like. Those deer hear you walking. Like if they're up oh, there, okay. they know. So it's yeah. Right. So fresh sign kind of trumped it for me.
0: So, but but let's look at this. I just thought about this while you were talking. Okay, you got an old permanent ladder stand. Stop. You've got an old permanent. I ladder I know where stand, you're going. <laughs> and those deer came right next to it. So you're talking about a historically good spot, more than likely. Um,
2: yes. Yep.
0: It is a historically good spot. So here's, uh, I'll tell you guys kind of what I do. Okay. Because I think this is, and it obviously uh, you're looking at a guy that hadn't shot any bucks this year. So it's not like this is gospel truth. This is just how I do it most of the time. Um, and you guys see if you can relate. So I'm like you, Matt, I wouldn't, I would have not, Said that that ladder stand, uh, I would have probably gotten away from it, mostly because I don't want it in the camera shots. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of mm-hmm. like I'm sitting right next to this ladder stand. on that. Yeah, so I, you know, it's just one of those uh, things.
2: Well, you you can't avoid that in my footage. So. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the bucks rubbed the ladder off. <laughs> yeah, you know? he, he made a rub on the freaking <laughs> yeah, just on the leg of it. Pissed off pissed on it and went on.
0: So you're talking about a spot that is historically good. There are, I can think of a lot of spots for me that are historically good spots for one reason or the other. Just every year, it seems like there's an oak that produces close by. It's close to a bedding area, um, blah, blah, blah. It's in a core area. It's just the everything around it offers exactly what the deer are looking for every year. But... I almost, especially this time of year, I'm almost always scouting my way into it. Like, like it, I'm, I'm leaving it open for discussion. Like, so in a lot of the videos I say, I'm going over here. This is where I'm trying to make it to. We'll see if I get there. You know, that's kind of the yeah. kind of how I do this, this, this time of year. And if I don't find what I'm looking for, then, I mean, I, I might just move on to uh, something else. If I get to my spot, that's historically good uh, and i don't find what i what i want this happened to me on sunday evening um went up to a spot it wasn't dropping like i thought it should be there wasn't much deer sign so i moved on until i found it and um and 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 i did find where the deer kind of shifted over to i felt like um but I, I think that's about the best way this time of year to do it for me is to go scout my way in it's very hard to do that though in the mornings we already kind of mentioned that going on a morning hunt it's hard to it's hard to scout your way in when you can't see anything yeah. in the dark you know what i mean um but yeah, especially this going, this time like, of year areas in
1: the morning yeah this time of year
0: for sure um do you guys ever in the mornings i feel like there is one thing that i do that could be beneficial especially when you're looking for when you're looking for acorns, a lot of mornings I'll walk in and I'll walk maybe 50 yards and just stop and stand there for a minute and see if I can hear acorns dropping somewhere. Do y'all ever do that? Y- yes, I no. would say yeah for me.
1: <laughs> like I- I'll just even like on my my side this this last week when I went kind of blind and hadn't able to scout. Like although I know exactly where I'm going that was one of the first things I'm listening for, you know, it was like, can I actually, and it's even after I got up, I was like, if I'm not hearing anything, maybe this place is just cold, you know, there's yeah. nothing dropping.
2: Yeah. And see, my, I would come back to say, Matt is, acorns drop at different times of the day. Even on like an evening hunt, like I noticed they dropped really heavy, like at four o'clock and then like right at dark, they quit. So, What's the difference in the morning? What I've found is they don't drop in the dark when you're walking in, and as the sun's coming up, they start drop. They start dropping. That that that's just my experience.
0: Yeah, that could be true. I mean, I've had those situations happen where I climb up and because like, I mean, flip, ha- they're dropping all the way over there, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did just like a tree I, I don't know if the, the moisture content changes in in the tree or you know with we wind blowing squirrel you know squirrels knock acorns out of the tree all the time and i'm about i'm about to start being a squirrel hunter because they're just taking me off this year um <laughs> i've had more squirrels fool me of being a deer this year than i i guess i ever have um but yeah that, uh, that's my take. we can't on kill acres. deer
1: maybe we can just buy some dogs and start squirrel hunting do a hey, podcast on that
2: i know yeah. a good spot
0: yeah, armadillos are the ones getting me this year. I'm seeing a ton of armadillos here in Alabama. Um, yeah, you spitting they on them. Yeah, yeah, spitting yeah. on them with with accuracy. Um,
2: I think <laughs> you need a, to get like some some battery acid or something, spit it on a deer, and try to kill it.
0: Wow, that just went a weird direction. <laughs>
2: I think he could do it? Where
0: did that come from? That was a, that was a Luke, come from church? That was a Luke. <laughs> that was a Luke Parker thing right there.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. That's for you, Luke. <laughs>
0: who's
2: who's the guy that he the spear guy? Tim Wells. Tim Wells. Oh, he's yeah. all over my he's all over my Facebook page now, like dropping spears on crocodiles and <laughs> stuff like that.
0: That's Luke's hero, man. He freaking loves that guy. <laughs> um. All right. So, so good. historical was the ladder stand right like somebody knew for whatever reason and matt you said whenever you walked up there the next morning you walked up to that ladder stand you were immediately like why didn't i do this earlier because there were rubs everywhere right
2: yeah there were rubs and then there was a huge trail and i i climbed right where they were feeding um the next morning and i climbed the same tree for the evening as well and that that bit me in the butt, but uh, you know we'll we we can talk about that in a second.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, let's
2: let's push pause
1: real quick. Are you guys old enough to where y'all had to build ladder stands when you were kids growing up? Are they, were, So I grew up. I yes, I'm old enough. But
0: I grew up. Huh? I grew up in West Texas where ladder stands aren't really a thing. It was all yeah, it, was it all a Deer thing. blinds and shooting houses and stuff. So yeah, we I, did. All I that. have
2: memories of hunting of hunting when my dad. I think one, he's built one, that's
1: it. I'm old enough to where we didn't really have like metal ladder stands to erect. Like eventually we did, but in the beginning stages, like I remember as a kid, my uncle, my dad, my granddad talking about like every time we would erect a ladder stand, like the conversations that would ensue. And it's literally, Hey, you know, I've been sitting on this hillside and I continue to see deer. And then the next guy's like, Hey, I've been sitting on this hillside and I killed this deer and killed that deer. Where'd you kill him at? And it's just like cross triangulating an area, and it's like okay, we've seen enough deer here. This is worth a day's work. Let's go, you know, erect a stand, and that's no easy job. I mean, it's not like you just go to Bass Pro, put it together, and slap it up on a tree like this thing. This thing's like actual work. Uh, so there's like a lot of thought that goes into this. And so you think about like Matt going up into Kentucky, right? Uh, I don't think anybody said erect on, on this
0: podcast more than Adam at this point. <laughs> Just, I always say erect. He <laughs> keeps saying it and erect the
1: ladder stand. <laughs> so Matt, you know, you, you're going to Kentucky and you see this big old ladder stand that's erected in this spot. Like, somebody had to put a lot of work in it. was It was huge.
2: <laughs> It was a huge ladder stand. I
1: saw the saw the video. I mean, this thing's not a small guy. Like they spent a lot of time getting this thing up. They had to have known historically deer were walking in that path for whatever reason. Maybe there's oaks drop, maybe it's the terrain feature, maybe it's habitat. Adam, uh there was a lot of work that went into that. You and I talked with a local guy
0: several years ago that told us Oh yeah. This spot. Yeah. He told us the exact spot and he said whenever there's
2: no way this this is my secret spot you know
0: so so you're talking about a a place that historically is is pretty good and he mentioned the ladder stand he mentioned everything in that conversation and um it's just it's interesting to know that in that situation mri and historical was kind of ended up being in the same spot i mean they cross yeah. paths. Let me right give there.
1: let me give you another scenario in uh, in that same WMA in Kentucky. Now, no one told us about this ladder stand, but I had went in blind one time into Kentucky, my first time on this WMA. I actually was looking for like a feed treetop area, found where acorns were dropping. I ended up seeing multiple bucks that set, did not kill one. I came back a different route the next time I went in, and ran across a ladder stand on the edge of a field. I dropped off over to the ridge on the hillside in the wooded side Um, and what I noticed was like all the deer that were coming into that area and like this is a buck mecca for me like I I just see buck now I've told you about the spot parker like I always see buck coming there they always come by the stupid ladder stand I don't understand I, I do like you can look at a map and you can kind of put it all together you're like and the last time I was there like I actually videoed that hunt. I had two bucks come by. I ended up trying to draw back and couldn't get a shot on these bucks. And like, if i would have been sitting at that ladder stand, I killed those deer. Easy, easy. Okay. So have, the ladder stand.
0: have we reached a point in the public land hunting scene where the trend, maybe you could call it a trend possibly. Um, but just kind of the, the known thing is we don't hunt. Those ladder stands, because those are dinguses that put those up. We're saddle hunters, or we're mobile hunters, or we're whatever kind of yeah, BS you want to talk better. about.
1: Yeah, we Thermal and, hubs. They don't even know what thermal hub is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, have we reached the point where, potentially, you know, it, it's kind of reversing itself? Um, maybe it is true that at, at one point, the deer were all just kind of doing living like hermits way back in the, in the deep back country past where all the FUDs hunt, blah, blah, blah. And now, every, I mean, literally everybody's doing that, right? Like we can say like, Oh, yeah. most of the people aren't going to go 300 yards from the road. Now, dude, most people that I talk to and I run into on public land, number one, they, they, they are in tune, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're not stupid. Yep. They're not idiots. <laughs> they're, they're consuming lots of good content and taking it to heart. And so, it's almost like like what I was saying in Kentucky the whole time. Hunt dumb. You know? Yep. Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm going to keep using the water access and doing things that way until it stops working. But, I mean, there, there, there is some validity. I killed my the, – the deer that I killed on opening day here in Alabama, there's a lock-on stand freaking – 30 yards behind me if I would have been sitting in it I wouldn't have had to take that awkward stupid shot at that doe because I would have had her right here at my strong side because for whatever reason the person who put up that tree stand knew that that was a good spot um and and maybe it's maybe it's uh one of those things I mean now I'll be honest with you right now after the thing happened with Matt I am less inclined to get away from the ladder stand and more inclined to maybe like look at it. You know, if my thoughts are lining up with the, that stand, then I can at least be confident for myself. You know, like me and this guy had the same idea and he went through a whole lot more trouble to put up a whole tree stand and drag that thing in here. Like let's, yeah. let's try it. I killed my my biggest buck. I killed last year. I killed with a lock on stand, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 yards behind me. I would have killed the same deer if I would have been sitting in it. Yeah. And that's the Parker, second buck I've killed in that spot. So, like,
2: right. yeah. Th- th- I want to ask you this. You mentioned this earlier. You said that you wouldn't have set up close to that ladder stand because you didn't want it in your video or your camera shot. Mm-hmm. Why is that?
0: Um, Just because of the, 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 is taboo the right word or the stigma The stigma around it of yeah. like get away from the ladder stands and, and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it makes it look yeah. – Some sometimes this is just me being transparent. It makes it look less wild and untouched and mm-hmm. unpressured um, yeah. than you want it to. And there's also mm-hmm. the other thing of like – Dude, if if somebody else has a a stand in this spot, it's because they knew something. And, like, I don't want somebody to recognize their tree stand in my my videos. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And be like, oh, that's where he's at. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together and we preach about it a lot on this podcast when you buy from tethered you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system saddles platforms ropes climbing sticks and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today that's tetherednation.com check them out
2: when when we were just recapping on that, I I was kind of asking myself the question, like if five was in that situation, why would I not want anything or why would I not want to hunt near the stand? Mine was more of a pride thing. Like, yeah, I want this spot to be a spot that I found, not that, Hey, somebody hung a ladder stand there. I'm just going to go off of what they did. I want it to be something I, I did, yeah. you know, and that's, I, you know, that may just be a little, rough you know that oh well if it's there why don't you just you know take advantage of it well because i i just don't want to you yeah know? that's a good um, that's, that's probably me,
0: that's probably deep down in my heart that's probably it it's like i found this spot this is my spot you know yeah what
2: I mean? and that and that's you know i was joking earlier don't don't tell about my secret spot you know yeah. but no something where you hunt somebody's been there before you it especially on this wma you'll walk in at the nighttime, and you'll think that there's spiders on all the trees, but it's just night eyes from where these old men have put out thumbtacks on trees. And you, I mean, you can get on one trail and get off on another trail and do, do a whole circle back to where you started.
0: <laughs> Every spot, dude. I mean, there's, I, I'm, we deal with it when you do public land hunting and, and the reality is, is right now people are consuming more content than ever. And they're learning more than ever. Um, Just the average guy is learning a lot, man. And so there's going to be competition. There absolutely is. And so I like it because my style, and this kind of goes back into into the comparison, my style of hunting is is really MRI, I would say, like right now, this time of year. And so even with people kind of popping up in the other places that I hunt, because maybe they're using a boat now. Or they got a kayak, and they were inspired, and they're looking around, and they're finding we're finding the same stuff, right? And so it's kind of making me go, okay, let's go find something else. You know, let's broaden our what's next, broaden our horizon, I guess. And like that to me, that is, I don't know that anybody has ever like really succeeded anything, succeeded at anything. Like, I, I don't know that I would call it a success if there wasn't some type of uh, adaptation that you have to overcome, right? Companies have to adapt. Oh. Every company in the world, every brand in the world has had to adapt to COVID. And the ones who didn't, well, they're kind of probably not here anymore. And so, like, you look at how these big companies like Nike or big successful businessmen like Jeff Bezos um, or Mark Zuckerberg, like... They, they, they rose to the top, but because they adapted to what was around them. And so that's as a, as a deer hunter, we kind of have to do the same thing. And that's why I think this conversation is, is valuable. Have you ever been on these posts on Facebook, um, where somebody says like my spot, right? Or you hear it on a video where somebody says, this is, this is my spot. Those are the kind of guys who like this guy got into my spot by whatever using an e-bike and I've been hiking in there all my life or you know whatever the case may be you hear that talked about quite a bit these days and it's like i mean man you got to you got to move on <laughs> you got to adapt you got to you got to shake it off somebody else found it and the spot might not be as good anymore but sometimes it might be and i think that's when you find the historical and the it's historically good for a reason it's historically good because every year they're going to be laying down sign in that one area and that's where they cross over and those are the good spots that's like that's the ones that you try to like i have areas that i deer that i hunt that i've killed bucks at that now forty eight thousand people uh have figured out and they know and I, i don't really go at back in there much um but if I would have just stuck to that one spot and never went and found anything else, well, I'd be done killing deer. <laughs> you know, I'd be finished. And so you just got to find it. Um, Adam, you have to deal with this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because you have yeah. small pieces of public land that if one person finds out about any of it, they're, I Dude. mean, you're done.
1: Yeah, you'll see fly. Like, I was uh, texting you and Walt this weekend, like a spot that I had never seen anyone on prior to last year. Now, last year I knew that some other guys had found it. Now there's like flags and tack like those cat eye things on trees, like right beside the water. And it's like, you're right beside, you're following the water for a hundred yards. I don't even know why they need flagging to get to a <laughs> spot, but they do. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they're being discovered. Water access is becoming more popular. All the different tactics we're talking about is becoming more popular what well, uh, Parker, you and I, we've talked about when we go to the WMA that we hunt and we compare our maps, just like blindly looking like where waypoints look very similar because we read, listening, and we're thinking the same thing. So one thing that I've been thinking is as we've been talking tonight is around, and I don't want to go down a rabbit trail of, uh, of getting off topic, but there's this book called blue ocean strategy. Now the blue ocean strategy is really like a business space book. And what the the whole premise of the book is, is like, there's an ocean that's blue and within that blue ocean there's no sharks there's there's no uh, there's no chum but then you got the red ocean where all the the chum is where you got all the bait fish and all the sharks are swimming i kind of think of that in in this situation like for businesses to succeed and to thrive and to get away from competitors they have to start thinking differently than their competition and as we uh, like if you're in the hunting space and like we're talking right now about the different strategies we're employing, there's thousands of people listening to our strategies about water access, about where we drop pins on a map and they're going to start doing the same exact thing. Eventually we're going to have to start thinking, Hey, that's bringing a lot of pressure to these deer. What are, what are we not thinking about? How can we think outside the box about how to get on deer in different ways? And I, I don't know like how we do that but I think we do have to be a little bit more creative and probably like, that's why I, get, I told you guys jealous of you. Like you've got feet on the ground. You've dedicated hours during that day to think outside the box. And I feel like I'm still inside my box of where it's historically produced. Doesn't mean it won't work, but you know what? Like I feel like getting outside of the box is uh, is the best strategy overall,
0: man. I, I absolutely agree. And and uh, so funny, funny story. Whenever, uh, we first, whenever Southern ground hunting first launched, um, I had actually reached out to Dan on a podcast idea that I had, um, before Southern ground was ever even a thing. And it was going to be kind of focused around outside the box hunting strategies. And it was like, I think, I'm pretty sure that was even used in the, in the title of what I pitched to him. And, um, but then, come to find out, he was looking for a Southern-based podcast, and so it just kind of worked out, and we made that happen. Uh, but th- that's exactly kind of what my thought is on it, is there's always going to be something. There's something else. Like, there's there's something different that we're not thinking of, um, and somebody will, right? Like, like somebody's yep. going to, to figure out new tactics. They're going to... There's going to be new science that comes out about deer and whatever. And so, to me, the best way to maybe figure out what that next thing is, is absolutely being a student of it. Like, trying to go and say, do different things. You know what I mean? One of the things that I'm kind of thinking about is for buck hunting like for going after a buck early season in Big Woods is to be really keying in on wind changes um wind direction changes throughout a specific day. So those days where an average deer hunter would look at the the map and say crap the wind's all over the place. I'm just not going to go today because it's doing dumb stuff. I want to look at the map and say okay the wind's going to be blowing out of the west today and then at 11 o'clock, it's going to be coming straight out of the east. It's going to shift. And that is something worth getting a buck on his feet for, to move into a different area. And so it might just be saying, I'm going to set up on this side of the ridge in such a way where he's not going to smell me where he's at right now. But whenever he gets up and starts moving to go to his new bed for the wind shift, because they don't have the weather channel or app, right? They don't know. They're just like, oh, flip the wind change. I got to move. And I've, I've had it work, man. Like it works pretty dang good. If you can find a core area and know where he's And sometimes it's just an assumed thing. It's like, I'm just guessing, uh, that he's gonna, he's bedded over here right now. And he's going to bed over here when that wind shifts. Um, that's something that happened, uh, when I killed the, the biggest deer I've ever killed in Alabama for sure. Um, and it was an early season October hunt, and I was set up over this spot, and about 6, I don't know, maybe it was 7 o'clock, 7.30, the, the wind was supposed to change and completely change directions. And about 6.30 is when it actually did it, and here he comes, just bebopping through to change his bedding area, and I shot him. So, that's something that's kind of outside of the box, and now... However many people, you know, are thinking about it now and they're like, oh, crap, I'm going to learn that. But it's just that, you know, like thinking about little things and building a hunting strategy based on it. And if you make it happen multiple times, right, especially on something, something that not a lot of people are thinking about, you make that happen multiple times, then you have a case to say,
1: this works. You know, one thing I want to add to that is, like, we've talked about the feed tree, which we get a lot of that from Warren Womack. Another thing we could probably pull from Warren Womack within this topic is the fact that how much he journals and how much information he puts in. And if you were to go back and look at all your hunts like you're talking about right now and put data together in reporting, man, you'd be able to, like, really find some outside-the-box strategies that we're probably not even thinking of today. Like, I don't do a good job of that, but every year I think, man, I'm going to start freaking journaling every single one I'm going to talk about where I was at when, like, coordinates so I can go back and look at it and, like, really uh, put something together so I can start thinking outside the box. But that's, uh, that's something I just got to do a better job of.
0: That's good. That's really, really good stuff. Anybody have anything else? Like, I think if if we were to compare the two, uh, I would lean in on on really – I hate to say it, but I would lean in on both right if you're an evening hunter absolutely the mri is going to be your best friend if you're a morning hunter which most of the time i'm a morning hunter and so i'll use my evening hunts to so if i go on an evening hunt and i'm like okay i found this and this and this i hunted here didn't see any deer but they're still here i potentially blew them out this is a great example last week this hunt that we were talking about on sunday Sunday evening, I went in, didn't find what I was looking for, scouted, scouted, end, ended up feeling like I bumped a buck out of his bed because there was a steaming fresh turd in it, rubs all over the place. And I was like, i definitely bump this deer out. Uh, went to a different spot, found some more sign, kind of right down the ridge from there. Set up on it, didn't see anything. Next morning, Monday morning, I come in and set up over that bed. That buck came in before daylight, laid down. He bedded down and I heard him I texted Matt and I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure this buck just walked in. Like, I'm pretty sure he's here. And I didn't think anything else about it, really. I never heard anything else. I just like maybe a deer just passed through, whatever. Sun started coming up and I'm looking, looking, I can't see anything in in the where I think the bed is at. Of course, I don't know for sure, but I think the bed is in this one spot and I'm like, Man, I can't tell. I don't think there's anything in there. So I get my camera out as the sun starts coming up and turn it towards me to do like a little little interview. And as soon as I turn the camera, I'm like, oh, there he is. He stands up. This is what I'm assuming happened because of the way that it happened. I all of a sudden, out of nowhere, see the back of a deer just ease away. And I can hear it walking and then I can't see it anymore. It just vanishes. So here's here's my theory on this. I believe the deer came in, bedded down. As soon as it got daylight, he was probably looking in my direction and saw me move that camera, just saw the slightest movement, got up and just moved off. Um, I don't know that that's what happened. There would be only, that's really the only way to explain the deer being there (laughs) just out of the blue, you know, just like I would have seen him or heard him anywhere else uh, if he had walked in, you know, I was being very, I was watching very closely and uh, anyway, so that's kind of the. Um, benefit I guess of finding the the most recent sign and then having encounters and, and another morning sit throw a morning sit at it if it doesn't work because you know where the sign is and it's a new day and you can access it uh, accordingly. So, um, is there do you guys have anything that you want to add to the conversation as far as like the comparison?
2: No, I I think everything we've covered everything good and I I guess looking back at my situation and if you, if if you analyze it enough, if you go into areas that are historical and if you have enough historical areas, you are going to find MRI in those areas. So when, you know, if, if you're doubting yourself that that's not a bad, bad place to be like, like we've, like we've been saying, I think we've repeated ourselves, you know, to where, Hey, if you, if you have an area that, you know, produces Go to it. There's probably going to be some sign there at some point during the season. Yeah. Um, th- that's my takeaway.
1: Absolutely. The thing I'd add to Matt's uh, piece right there is keep up with it when you're seeing those deer within specific times of the season because those deer may not be there in November when they are in October or vice versa, or the same works for December. Like I went to one of my honey holes this past weekend. And in, De- like, November, it's going to be super hot. In December, I'll be lucky to see a deer. Just habitat changes and the deer yep. move out. I, deer, deer I,
2: I've started doing that with trail cameras, uh, leaving them, and I'm letting them soak all year and seeing, hey, it's hot, you know, the first week of December. it's There's no deer here the rest of the season. Um, and, you know, a lot of people I feel – get an area that they're comfortable with and continue to pound it and pound it and pound it. And then they, they end up killing a the deer there, but they may have thirty sits when 29 of them, they don't see a deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, be, be, be very meticulous with your areas when you're doing that.
0: That's right. Well, good stuff guys. Um, again, if you have any, any thoughts on this, the, the last time we, I guess two episodes ago, uh, I got a lot of messages on Southern ground, uh, hunting Instagram and on Facebook as well, just about trying to read, uh, read this type of sign the best. If you have any questions about things like that, just, uh, send them over and we'll do our best job to, to try to answer those. But, um, man, this season has been, uh, I started out with a mindset of, I'm just going to go and have fun. And then I had a bad experience with that deer it's kind of throwing me off. It's kind of messing with my head. And so I'm going to get up early tomorrow morning, like really early. And I'm going to go out with a stick and a string with a recurve. I'm going to say screw the bucks for right now. And I'm going to take this recurve and I'm going to try to shoot a doe with it because I've never shot a deer with traditional equipment. So I'm going to try to get back into having fun. Knowing full well, I'm probably going to miss a couple of them
1: um, before yeah, I ever kill one. That's a lot of fun First start. Mm-hmm. So first time I ever bow hunted, I think I missed like four deer the first sit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was one of the funnest
0: hunts I've ever been on. Yep. Good luck, buddy. Yep. It's going to be, it'll be fun. And that's what I want to do. And we talk about these strategies and they really get my, you know, we can nerd out on them, but man, ultimately, if you're going out there and you're just not having fun, then what's it for? So go out and have a good freaking hunt. Like just enjoy it. Take it all in and make educated choices make good decisions try to put yourself in the right spot but if it's not the right spot it ain't the end of the world and that's what i'm having to remind myself of over and over again um so let's go kill some deer fellas thanks for coming on thanks man hey guys thanks for listening to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast and as always a big shout out to all of our partners That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth to go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.